Leonard. I am the founder of Nonprofit Utopia. I want to welcome you to today's live stream. For those of you who don't know, this is Resilience Month in, in the Nonprofit Utopia community. So all month long, we're going to be focusing on ways that we can uh, overcome adversity. And we're going to be speaking today with John Immenecker. In fact, John is one of our members and this was his idea. And since it was his idea, we are relying very heavily on John to help us develop content. And he's gonna be a co-host for as many of these live streams as he is available. And today he's gonna to be in the hot seat. We're kicking off Resilience Month with today's today's live stream. All right, so just a little bit about John. He is a peer support specialist with Pillars in the Appleton Oshkosh NEMA area in Wisconsin. He has a BS degree in journalism from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, and he has a master's degree in management information systems from DePaul University in Chicago. He has several certifications from Transformation Academy as a life coach, helping clients to gain confidence and find their purpose in life and to find happiness. John is in the process of starting his own organization, the Resilience House. This will either be a nonprofit or a benefit corporation. And the benefit, I'm sorry, the Resilience House will be a safe non-judgmental supportive virtual community for those living with mental health substance abuse addiction and in the future any form of adversity to teach resilience and support those faced with adversity john will be a co-host as i indicated before on our resilience live streams and will be leading a workshop on resilience later this month so good morning, John. Thank you so much. It's great to have you. Thank you, Valerie, for having me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And before we get started, can you share for our listening audience what you mean by resilience? Yeah, by resilience, and I've got a few definitions here. Um, one of them um, I learned by watching um, Cheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant in LinkedIn Learning Course. But resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It has also been defined as the ability to bounce back from difficult situations and trauma. And the one that I really like um, from Adam Grant um, is what psychologists learned through that research was that there's a third possibility, that in some ways people are not able to just bounce back, they're able to bounce forward to grow from the difficult experiences in their lives. So that's really what I um, mean by resilience. Um, I think later I'm going to be sharing some um, stories of my own personal resilience. But uh, that's the, really the reason why I want to create Resilience House is I want it to be a place where people can go when they're faced with adversity, um, like COVID, mental health, substance use, um, the loss of a loved one, cancer. Um, there are many adversities people face in life, and I want to teach and coach and encourage them to be resilient. Okay, great. Now you mentioned in a nonprofit utopia community that you're a stage three colon cancer survivor. 
what was the experience like and what are some of the things that got you through? Yeah, um, back in 2000, early part of 2017, I was having um, challenges and I went to see my primary care doctor and he uh, suggested, or we, we did quite a few, actually three um, colonoscopy preps. Mm-hmm. And he was hoping to solve, that was hoping to solve the problem, um, but it really didn't. He referred me to a gastroenterologist. Um, she ordered a colonoscopy and um, the, the person who did the procedure found a 22 centimeter tumor, cancer wow. tumor in the sigmoid part of my colon. So it was a pretty big tumor. Was, I think the yeah. centimeters, I think I figured out it came out to be about 15 and a half inches. Wow. So it had been in my system for quite a while. Um, and my dad was with me. Uh, he was uh, he was shocked. I was kind of like the kind of person that just kind of took things in and mm-hmm. I said, okay. And then I wanted to find out how, what, what could be done. Um, and we, he called uh, my surgeon, Dr. Wagner, and it was, they were concerned that the colon would block or the tumor would block the colon. So they scheduled me to be in surgery two weeks later. Mm-hmm. So on September 1st, 2017, I had a surgery um, and I had five days of recovery. And some of the things that I went through is they they found that the tumor had ruptured the wall of the colon and had spread to other parts of my body. They looked at lymph nodes, they found signs of cancer. So the oncologist recommended that I take um, that I do radiation. I did almost a month of radiation and then I did six months of chemo or 12 month rounds of chemo. Wow. And I guess some of the things that um, I went through as far as um, I was sensitive to the cold and I also had neuropathy to the hands and the feet. But I think you mentioned before about what the things that were that got me through winter. Um, is I posted out on my Facebook page what I what I experienced, kind of like what Cheryl Dan- Sandberg did with her husband, and I received an incredible amount of support. Um, and also in cancer, um, the way that they celebrate a person's success um, is when I got done with radiation. Radiation technician and the uh, person in charge um, who took a picture of in a video of me standing in front of a um, bell and I rang the bell and the same thing with chemo too um at the end of my chemo treatments um and I see I saw other people this too go up and ring the bell supporting um recognizing that the fact that they had finished their chemo treatments and um I did the same thing I had a lot of people clapping a lot of uh, people hugging a lot of people celebrating my last day of chemo um and then I got a chance to do a PET scan, found that, all, found that there were zero signs of cancer in my body. Um, mm-hmm. I had a chance to ring a very big bell. So that's one of the things that I've found to be incredibly important when it comes to people facing resilience is that support. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate in that um, I had an incredible amount of support. I thought about doing the same thing because I was going to teach people how to overcome social anxiety. I was going to use the same method. Because that's some that's something that people really don't um, I don't think really have as much support with mental health mm-hmm. a while ago. So it may have things that may have changed. But I went out and I bought my own well. 
like that. Like I like that. That I that I ring whenever um a person does something well and meets the faces their social anxiety. Um, I had a chance to ring the bell for someone. Um, he had managed to go out and meet staff and have a chance to play basketball, and that that was actually very challenging for him. So I had a chance to ring a bell for him. So that's a very important part of resilience. And that's really the thing that got me through cancer. And that is something that I really want to bring to the resilience house is the ability to not only learn about how to overcome adverse, or adverse situations, um, also to go through them, and but also to celebrate times when people do um, succeed. Okay, so as I listened to you, one of the things that stood out to my mind, uh, you mentioned that your dad was somewhat upset, but you were the one who was, I guess, more stoic for for lack of a better word. So it sounds to me like mindset uh, might make a huge difference. It sounds to me like you didn't panic immediately. You, you seem to have started immediately trying to look at your options and try to take control of the situation. Is, is that, is that right. fair to say? I think my dad was shocked. Um, I just kind of just took it in and then I just listened to um, the person who did the procedure um, and he explained everything. He did actually a really good job. And then my next question is, okay, um, well, not my next question, but he, I asked what, what can we do about this? Um, and that's when he mm -hmm. told me that, he would call uh, my surgeon and they would they scheduled the surgery two weeks for where because later because they were concerned that the colon or the tumor would block the colon so mindset is a very important part of it too um in building resilience uh getting to the point where you feel comfortable with a difficult situation i'm mean, not comfortable but accepting it yeah. and facing it um and later i when i when i after surgery when i met, when i saw my mom I did, it really did start to impact my, I really started to figure out just exactly what this had done to me. And then I, then I started to feel a little emotional and I did talk to her about it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, mindset is a very important skill set to have. And that's something that will help when it comes to building resilience. Okay. And it sounded too like another important thing that got you through was celebrating your wins. Yeah, it did. Um, I'm glad we did that. Um, because when you're going through something like this, you're not really sure what's, you have a lot of uncertainty. Uh, you're not sure how it's gonna affect your body. Um, we're going through radiation and chemo um, and then getting a chance to meet with the radio, radiation technicians at the end and ring a bell and also the same thing with chemo. Um, this is really just also celebrate the successes knowing that you're, you're facing your adversity, in my case, my cancer, Mm -hmm. And you're um, with other people and you're succeeding in in your journey. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. So, John, you mentioned that you also were resilient when you had to conquer social anxiety as well as severe depression. What were some of the strategies that you used to get you through that particular situation? Yeah, for a long time there, um, I really did think quite a bit about past situations. Um, that's really what led to my depression. Um, also, not really sure how to face them or how to overcome them. Um, and later I learned techniques pretty much through a 
treatment program um, to help me with my depression. I thought um, I learned concepts like mindfulness or just staying in the, in the moment, staying in the present instead of worrying about the past or thinking about the past and worrying about the future. Um, also guided meditations helped me out quite a bit. Uh, deep breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, especially social anxiety. I didn't think this would work, but I did apply the skills. Like I would take, people didn't see me doing this, but I would take three deep breaths before speaking to someone and that calmed me down, that centered me and made the conversation a little bit more comfortable. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm, these are more anxiety skills, but I think that really when, when you're faced with adversity, you really have to throw a lot of this at, at the challenge that you're facing. Um, I use a combination of all these skills in order to work on my social anxiety. Um, but one particular group, an anxiety group that was led by um, a person that I really admire and that I work with, um, she taught me these skills um, and also cognitive behavioral therapy thought records or analyzing my past situations, social situations, what my mood was like, what my automatic thoughts were before I went into the situation, mm -hmm. and then also um, balancing my thoughts. Find, well, first of all, figuring out when, when they did happen, when they didn't happen. Because a lot of times, a lot of these situations are just um, things that you think about. Right. They're not necessarily true thoughts. And then I balance them. And then over several months, applying all these skills, also the exposure hierarchy, putting myself in increasingly more challenging social situations, mm -hmm. helped me out quite a bit to the point where I was able to get up and speak at a toast, apply all these skills and, and speak at a Toastmasters presentation. Mm -hmm. That was very high up on my exposure hierarchy list. Um, you're seeing me at a pretty good time in my life. Before I was pretty quiet. Um, I really didn't talk much and I thought quite a bit about the past. But um, these anxiety skills um, and depression skills, when applied, um, can help with resilience too. Because I, I just I just thought that um, with resilience, you do have to put yourself into these situations, into increasingly more challenging social situations. So exposure hierarchy may help when it, you become more resilient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is awesome, and I think too this is really important for any nonprofit leader or any person in a leadership role, and just us individual as we navigate, you know, life's turns. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. And speaking of professional development, you indicated that you are currently being resilient in your role as a peer support specialist for those experiencing homelessness. How does that work? So how do you transfer the experiences you had on the personal level to the professional environment? Yes, um, I'm still working on this. Um, this will be my second week as a peer support specialist. Um, I did have some challenges in the beginning because people really didn't understand what a peer support specialist was. Um, and I think they, didn't really understand and were a little bit confused about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to really work on be explaining what that role is and helping them when it comes to possible depression or anxiety when it comes to homelessness. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also going to be helping them when it comes to looking for work and also um, looking for housing too. So I'm going to try and fit, fit all of that together and really help them by supporting them and um, I'll be doing more as a um, 
an advocate for them. And also I want to teach them about resilience too. That's another important skill set mm -hmm. that I think that they, they really need. Um, and literally listening to them and learning what their challenges are. Because as an advocate, um, the very first thing that you can do is listen to someone. Um, and that's one of the skills, skills that I learned in certified peer specialist training mm -hmm. um, is active listening mm -hmm. and then also showing empathy. And then finally, helping, helping them help themselves. And that's going to be very important when it comes to um, finding work, um, overcoming depression, um, facing anxiety. Um, and eventually, hopefully, transitioning to an affordable house. Okay, that's great. And as I listened to you talk, I was thinking, you know, these are some the same skills that you would need as a supervisor or leader, you know, of an organization. So thank you for for sharing that. Okay, and I noticed too that when you were posting in the community, you said that it took decades for you to feel resilient through your own mental health challenges. What was the turning point for you? Yeah, I had posted on Facebook a while ago on my pro profile um, about my own um, experience with depression and anxiety. I did receive support for some people, but some people I kind of lost. Um, they weren't as, they really didn't like it that I posted it out there. <laughs> Um, so I had to face that. And then really, um, over the years, I thought quite a bit about that. And also, um, well, I have social anxiety. So I'm always had that, I always had that fear of being negatively judged by others. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I had to work on that too, but I had to th stop thinking about my, my own perceived past mistakes. Um, some of them were real, but other than most of them were perceived and really face face the self-stigma that I got from those situations. Mm -hmm. um, and really what the turning point was is I um, I, had, I actually had been not only the certified peer specialist program, mm -hmm. but I was, was also with people who were facing mental health challenges. Um, and they helped me out quite a bit. Um, again, having a support network in place is extremely important. Um, but then also I also had to do a lot of the work too, because right. earlier in my life I had met with a, um, a person who said that I would have to change my thinking or rewire my thinking. I didn't think that was possible at the time. I really had to work at it. I really had to apply these skills, um, but I was able to change my thinking and that has really made a difference. And that's really the reason why I became a certified peer specialist. That's really why I'm interested in resilience. And that's really why the reason why I want to make Hopefully, in my in my way, make a difference in other people's lives by helping them help themselves. Okay. Now, are there any assessments that people can take, you know, at home to try to get through this, or do you recommend other coping strategies? Um, the coping strategies um, that I recommend would be. Um, there's one like self-care. I don't think this is something that people often think about or take yeah. seriously, but spending time really taking care of themselves. Um, like for me, I'm just getting back and exercising, but I do exercise quite a bit. Um, and also reading, um, listening to music, um, just taking time for themselves to work on um, what they're facing um, is very important. So self-care, 
Um, and then all the other skills that I mentioned too, like mindfulness to become a mindfulness practitioner, practitioner, um, also developing a strong support network with family, friends, coworkers, um, your members of the nonprofit, you're not your board. Um, all of that's actually very important. Mm -hmm. As far as assessments, um, to learn more about yourself, there are self assessments out there. Um, Myers-Briggs, um, I took that. That gave me a better understanding of how the way I am and how I face situations. Um, also, we did it as a team, so I got to learn more about my team members. Um, the other personality tests out there that can be helpful, um, I can't think of them right now, but if I uh, the disc, um, disc is another helpful one. Um, and then for if you have a, if you are thinking that you have social anxiety, there is a social anxiety disorder assessment out there. Um, a lot of those same questions are also in Myers Briggs, especially to determine if you're an introvert and an extrovert, even though they are not really related, mm -hmm. because introversion is really just um, finding energy within yourself. But social anxiety is more having um, anxiety when it comes to speaking to others. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you mentioned that you felt at one point that it was probably a mistake to share on Facebook. You felt that the place wasn't always safe. Um, do you know of any safe online environments? Yeah, the Resilience House. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the Resilience House will be one. Um, yes. Also, um, <laughs> yeah, anxiety groups. Uh, there are some good, really good depression and anxiety groups that I belong to. Um, you can be somewhat anonymous there um, and really tell people how you're feeling and you can work through quite a few things. That's really the how I met the person that um, I rang the bell for was on the social anxiety, um, loneliness and friendship support group. Um, I was able to help him. I um, also belong to some other groups. But um, outside of Facebook though, is the reason, reason why I wanna build the Resilience House is I wanna create a very safe, supportive, non-judgmental environment for people. And sometimes you see that on Facebook and Facebook actually does a really good, Facebook our admins for these groups will actually do a really good job um, providing that kind of environment, but sometimes it gets carried away and people are really just looking to meet other people for, um, yeah, nefarious reasons. Right. So I wanna create a very safe place. And I think that I can do that in my own environment and I'm looking at using Mighty Networks. Okay, awesome. and. We use Mighty Networks, too, on Nonprofit Utopia. I love it. I love it. All righty. So let's talk about stigma. What advice would you give to people who are afraid of the stigma of mental health challenges or other challenges of dealing with, uh, with challenges, I, I guess, um, with setbacks, you know, in our in our society, we're looked at as weak if we have to um, seek help, right? Um, but how do you overcome that stigma? Yeah, um, realizing that the stigma is out there, um, awareness. Um, also, um, as far as me, um, when I face the stigma, um, I, I tend to then internalize it. It became self-stigma where I believed a lot of what they were saying. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to really face that, I, I again, I, I worked with a very supportive um, network of people. Um, 
especially with uh, through NAMI, but there are other organizations out there too that can be very helpful. Great. Um, but when it comes to stigma, yeah, that's something that you might have to face. Because I've I also belong to some political some some political posts out on mm -hmm. Facebook, and I see people when they post out there that this because these people believe in something, they have this mental disorder, they have this mental health issue, and they really don't. Mm -hmm. um, so I think really just raising awareness when it comes to the stigma, and not only just mental health but other stigma people face. Mm -hmm. It's actually very important and also creating, I'm, this is what I'm also looking at doing within the Resilience House is creating an ally program, mm -hmm. setting allyship for um, this issue, uh, mental health um, is very important. Okay, that's right. So do you find yourself, you know, having, having to reframe, I, I guess, certain issues, you know, so that in your mind, it's not a stigma because I, I know with myself i've gone through a number of sticky situations and i felt shameful um i didn't want to discuss it i wanted to keep everything to myself i'm like if everybody knows what's going on what would they think of me they'll think i'm a weak person they'll think i'm a stupid person they'll say that i should have known better blah 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 did did you ever find yourself thinking those thoughts and then having to reframe the situation. Yeah, I did. Um, and that's really the reason why I want to change the focus to resilience. Mm -hmm. I think that's a more, um, that's a word that people understand in a way it's a more positive attitude when it comes to facing stigma, mm -hmm. um, is to be resilient. Um, and it's really a mindset thing too. It take it took me a while to really change the way that I think about stigma, um, and also finding very people you can trust or being in a support group where there where you can have your anonymity and talk about these issues. Um, also, in some cases, um, not only support groups but also seeing um, a therapist um, that helped me out quite a bit. Um, also, um, there are also organizations out there, like there's WISE here in Wisconsin that faces mental health stigma, um, teaches people how to face mental health stigma. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. So you're going to be starting the Resilience House, and I think you mentioned, you know, earlier um, why you wanted to start it. But for those who are just joining us, what made you want to start the Resilience House? Yeah, the Resilience House, because um, I was looking for a different way, um, because some people, sometimes people ask me how I'm doing mentally, and it's like, yeah, I'm doing well, I can think, um, and so I've, I've also faced the stigma, and I really wanted to change the way that people think about this, about their adversity, and I want people to become resilient, I want them to be able to face the adversity, um, learn from it, and I think even grow from it too if it's possible um and that's really the reason why i started the resilience house resilience house um it's going to be a virtual community maybe at first i will maybe i will do i will we'll teach what i'll be doing in the workshop later this month to um, people outside of the resilience house like in person but right now i figure that this is a good place for people to learn to become resilient so that's really the reason my, my own personal personal passion for changing the way that people look at adversity and 
teach them how to become resilient and provide that safe, supportive environment for them as they work at becoming resilient. Okay, great. Thank you. So now let's talk about your mission and then you can also demonstrate your model. I understand you want to share. Yeah. Model. Okay. My mission. Um, I don't have an actual mission statement yet, but I do want to create a vision and a mission statement. Mm -hmm. My vision statement would probably be um, to teach people how to build resilience in their life to face adversity. Mm -hmm. um, and then the way that I would accomplish that through my mission statement would be the resilience house. And that'd be provide, providing a safe, um, non-judgmental, supportive community for those who can who teach people how to be resilient and then also support them in their journey to become resilient when faced with adversity. So that's what I'm looking to do with the Resilience House. That's kind of my mission statement. I'm still working on it, yeah. but that's my vision, my mission. Yeah, and if you'd like, I can I share my vision? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, let me see if I can share here. Okay, great. You might see my whole screen at first, but I'm going to go okay. to, uh, see if I can find it. Okay. I think I'm sharing my screen. I think, okay. Does everyone see the business model now? Um, I don't, oh, you know what? I, I need to bring it up. Okay. I was about to say, I don't see it. There's a reason I didn't see it. Okay, got it. Okay, so this is the business model. Um, over in the far right, I'm going to start there. Um, the customer segments have identified. Okay, let, I'm going to see if I, if I can make this bigger. Can you make it bigger so people can see it? And if not, I'm going to remove us so it to cover the screen yeah i'm not sure i'm just okay. in adobe acrobat so okay all right um let's not i'm gonna see if i can just have us on this you know just have the presentation just bear with me okay Um, that wasn't quite what I was expecting. Okay, I got you solo. Now if I can get the okay. And let me okay. let me remove the banner so people can see. All right. I think that might be a little bit better. Okay. Yeah, um, I talked to Valerie earlier, and she recommended um, using the business model canvas to kind of show my future board members the direction I'm thinking about going. And that's the, the reason why I created the business model canvas. Um, and this is just uh, the way it is right now. This is version one. As I work with it with board members, um, I plan on making some changes. But so far, starting from the far right, we have customer segments. Um, the two that I'll be targeting first are mental health and COVID, um, but there's also substance use, the loss of a loved one, hardship, adversity, cancer. There are many um, adversities people go through where they need to be resilient. Um, so those are the customer segments. Mm -hmm. um, then over here, the customer relationships. This is the, really the type of relationship I want to establish with um, 
members of the Resilience House is I want them to feel that they're in a safe, non-judgmental, supportive community. And uh, first, it'll be just me, but eventually I'd like to include other trusted certified peer specialists. Um, I'm thinking about calling them resilience evangelists. Mm -hmm. um, and then down here in the channels, the channels I'm, I'll be using, I'm um, thinking about using Mighty Networks because uh, it's a relative, it, I, I like it in Nonprofit Utopia. I've also um, liked what, like the Mighty Networks presentation that Gina did. So, okay. Um, can we stop right here? So, when we talk about channels, we're talking about what? How are you, these, what, what types of channels? What do you mean, you know, for people who might not know what channels? Yeah, channels, kind of a mix between ways that people can find out about the Resilience House and how the Resilience House will, how it will be used. Um, yeah. So, like, for example, for social media to kind of, draw people's attention to um, the Resilience House. And, and also when I get into partnerships, also partnering with nonprofits or organizations and um, creating marketing material for them to give to their members to find out more about the Resilience House. Mm -hmm. But the actual, so the marketing would be the social media, but the actual channels that people would use that be part of the Resilience House would be mighty networks where they can where they can uh, build that we build a community where they can share their experiences and learn about becoming more resilient. Mm -hmm. And then a Wix website would be kind of like the front door to the resilience house where people would come and they could see. Um, this is uh, this is also marketing too, but where people would be able to see um, or learn more about the resilience house. I got it. Thank you. And then over here in value propositions, um, a person will feel resilient and be able to bounce back from difficult situations. I'm working on that because I know that there needs to be more value proposition there for them, but I want them to learn how to become more resilient when faced with adversity. Okay, great. Um, key activities is to build and manage the mighty network. I probably could just call it my community. Um, the board leadership meetings, I see those as key activities. Um, these, the build to manage the community, that's more of like a daily activity. The board leadership meetings will be to um, make decisions and also to support the community. Um, and then build and manage courses, because I'm thinking about using courses to teach people how to become resilient. Mm -hmm. um, build and manage groups. So for example, if a nonprofit um, wanted to join the Resilience House, they would have their own group where they could have their own members in there and where they could uh, help them with their resilience. Yeah, I love it. And then offer resilience re support, the key activity. Um, the key resources that will be used, since this will be a virtual community, um, is that the Resilience House will use the Mighty Networks and the Wix website, and then also certified peer specialists. Um, the key partners so far are nonprofits, organizations, churches, or really just really anyone that wants to, to um, teach people how to become resilient. Mm -hmm. resilient. I'm thinking about even adding businesses to there because oh, yeah. for, for employees to teach them how to become resilient. Yeah, that, that would be huge. I'm seeing more and more in the business literature, especially with COVID-19. 
the people needing to um, cope with the different changes, the, the loss they experience and all that other stuff. So this is on the radar of large corporations as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm seeing that too quite a bit. That's really where like the LinkedIn learning is really focused on mostly, um, except for the one for Sheryl Sandberg and option B, that one is really focused mostly on people, teaching people how to be resilient at work. Mm -hmm. um, the cost structure, operational expenses, um, Bob Mighty Networks, the Wix website, liability insurance, um, video conferencing, um, and then salaries for an executive director and a resilience evangelist starting out, and then marketing, and then other costs too in the future. Okay. And then the revenue streams I've identified so far, um, impact investors, that's the really the reason why I want to enter um, Resilience House and COVID-wise, why I'm focusing on COVID and mental health is hopefully to attract investment from in, impact investors, mm -hmm. uh, grants, donations, and membership fees too. So for example, if a nonprofit wanted to use um, Resilience House, they could um, lease is that the right word, lease or rent? Yeah. A spot, rent a spot on the, the Resilience <laughs> House for a year for an annual membership fee. Yeah. I like that. Um, I would add to maybe some consulting fees, you, you, you know, because I, I guess, or workshop fees or both. Yeah, I can definitely add that because um, workshops, especially corporations, but also um, all in the community, um, a low cost workshop fee would be good for for us to hopefully generate money. Um, also one on one too. That's really almost that's you mentioned earlier about being a transformation academy coach. Yeah, yeah. I'd eventually like to focus on resilience and become a resilience coach. Yep. So offering one on one coaching on the site and also in person is also uh, would also be a good revenue stream. Yeah, and then over the long term, you could hire other coaches. But you know, we, we got to get the um, organization off the ground first, but that might be something to consider. Yeah. Oh, that was great. So I'm gonna stop my sharing and hey. Okay, I like. I like, I like, I like. Yeah, I had us on full screen because the, the writing was a little small. All right, so you have explained what programs you're going to offer. And before we go, I know you mentioned that you're looking for board members. So what qualities are you looking for for your board members? And if there's anyone who's watching who might consider joining, um, how can they contact you? I would like to um, have board members who have experience. Um, I'm new to this. I'm learning quite a bit from Nonprofit Utopia and Valerie. Um, also, I do have one person, um, a certified peer specialist. I think she's worked with nonprofits before. Um, but I'm really looking for someone with experience when it comes to being on a, non uh, a nonprofit board. Also interest in resilience too. Or the, or the willingness to, to learn um, resilience, because um, that will be a very important part of the Resilience House 
Um, as far as time commitment, um, in the beginning, there might be some time commitment, getting everything set up and ready to go. But in the future, maybe monthly uh, board meetings, um, I'm looking at doing everything virtual. So you really can um, be anywhere. Um, but really what I'm looking for is people who have a willingness to learn resilience, have been resilient, are currently teaching resilience to others in some form and who really want to be a board member and who want to um, have the time and the uh, availability and the willingness to be uh, on a nonprofit board. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So that is, I think I've exhausted all the questions that I have. I don't know if there's anyone in the audience who has any questions, any comment. If so, please feel free to post in the chat room and we will respond. And while we're waiting for any comments or questions, John, I'm so glad that you could join us. I'm hoping you can be a co-host for the other programs on resilience. I, I think you have a lot that you can offer in terms of insights for questions and discussions. So again, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, Look for my um, resilience workshop at the end of this month. I'm working on it right now, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, and thank you for thank you for having me. And I look forward to all the posts and everything about resilience in the nonprofit Utopia. Okay, great. Alrighty, so there are no comments, and we've come to the end of our show again. I want to thank John Emenecker for being our wonderful guest. He's a wonderful member of the Nonprofit Utopia community. He is always participating in things like our strategic plan. He's uh, very actively engaged in posting uh, uh, and responding to other people's posts. And he's leading the charge this month on resilience. Every day he has a really interesting and inspiring post you know to share from his own experience or others experience and they're always inspiring so if you're interested in joining the nonprofit utopia community visit nonprofitutopia.mn.co and you can join our community and you can also find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com all righty so thank you thank you thank you and take care we'll see you on friday when we talk to Vanessa McNorton, Vanessa will be sharing some of her experiences with coping. She's had near-death experiences and she is going to share how she bounced back from some very serious illnesses. All right, so I shall see you guys, well, we shall see you guys on Friday at 10 o'clock, same bat channel. All right, take care, bye-bye.